Hello, everybody. It's December 26th, the day after Christmas, known in some parts of the world as Boxing Day. No, it is not a day for taking your opponent into the ring, for it is not speaking of boxing matches, but it got its name when Queen Victoria was on the throne in the late 1800s, and workers were given an extra day off. It was a day when the richer employers would give gifts to their servants in boxes. The servants would also go home and give boxes of gifts to their families. Stores would be closed in that day, and I remember when I lived in England, that was the case. How that has all changed. Now it is known as a shopping day, and people are boxing up the gifts they didn't want and are returning them for something else. Here on the one-year Bible reading tour, we wouldn't want to give up our gift for anything else. We are so grateful for the unspeakable gift of knowing God personally through faith in His Son, the Word made flesh. It is a gift that we would not trade, and it is a gift that we would like to box up and share with everyone on the planet if we could. We're grateful for the gift of living fellowship with the God who reigns over all, and to know that He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. And one day we will see him face to face. What a blessed prospect we have. My name is David McAdam, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast, and this is day number 360 of our 365-day journey in which we read aloud all 66 books of the Bible. I trust this has been an enlightening journey. In the objective light of God's Word, we get illumination on all else. As the psalmist said in Psalm 36, 9, In your light we see light. His light makes all things manifest. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but by it I see all things. I trust that each day you are seeing things more clearly. Proverbs 4.18 says, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Well, we have only five days left until we have completed the Bible, and God willing, we will start again on January 1st. In the books we are currently reading, the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament and the book of Revelation in the New Testament, we are getting prophetic glimpses into the future. So let's get started reading today's portions from the Old Testament and New Testament. We start with the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament, chapter 9. And you will recognize a prophecy that is fulfilled when Jesus enters Jerusalem riding on the fowl of a donkey. Zechariah chapter 9, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Judgment on Israel's Enemies The oracle of the word of the Lord is against the land of Hadrach, and Damascus is its resting place. For the Lord has an eye on mankind and all the tribes of Israel, and on Hamath also, which borders on it, Tyre and Sidon, though they are very wise. Tyre has built herself a rampart, and heaped up silver like dust, and fine gold like the mud of the streets. But behold, the Lord will strip her of her possessions, and strike down her power on the sea. And she shall be devoured by fire. Ashkelon shall see it and be afraid, Gaza too, and shall writhe in anguish, Ekron also, because its hopes are confounded. The kings shall perish from Gaza. Ashkelon shall be uninhabited. A mixed people shall dwell in Ashdod, and I will cut off the pride of Philistia. I will take away its blood from its mouth and its abominations from between its teeth. It too shall be a remnant for our God. 
it shall be like a clan in Judah, and Ekron shall be like the Jebusites. Then I will encamp at my house as a guard, so that none shall march to and fro. No oppressor shall again march over them, for now I see with my own eyes. The coming king of Zion. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double, for I have bent Judah as my bow, I have made Ephraim its arrow. I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and wield you like a warrior's sword. The Lord will save his people. Then the Lord will appear over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will sound the trumpet and will march forth in the whirlwinds of the south. The Lord of hosts will protect them, and they shall devour and tread down the sling stones, and they shall drink and roar as if drunk with wine, and be full like a bowl, drenched like the corners of the altar. On that day the Lord their God will save them, as the flock of his people, for like the jewels of a crown they shall shine on his land. For how great is his goodness, and how great is his beauty! Grain shall make the young men flourish, and new wine the young women. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament portion today from the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah's purpose in the previous prophecies was to bring encouragement to Zerubbabel and Joshua, as well as the people of Judah. The prophecies exhorted them to finish the rebuilding of the temple by showing them the long-range impact, especially in relationship to the coming Messiah and his kingdom. In the remaining six chapters, Zechariah shares two burdens, prophecies pertaining to both the near and far future, but they all have the reign of the Messiah in view. Some of them will be fulfilled in the first coming of the Son of David, others are still unfulfilled, and we can see how they dovetail with the book of Revelation and what the Apostle John sees about the day of the Lord which begins with heavy judgments on the world and is followed by the glorious day of the Messiah's return to earth. Verses 1-8 through eight describe Alexander's conquest of Syria. Zechariah prophesied the Greeks' destruction of Hadrak, an ancient city in Syria. Tyre and Sidon will be destroyed as Alexander's forces proceed down the Phoenician coast. Both the prophets Daniel and Zechariah predict Alexander's Grecian empire conquering the Persians in 333 B.C. It is said that prophecy is history written beforehand, and that is what we have in these prophecies. In verse 9, we are told how God's people are kept safe because their king comes as a savior in a lowly manner, riding on a donkey colt. But we see how the apostles recognized that this prophecy was fulfilled when Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem, publicly acclaimed as the prophesied son of David. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just 
and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Warren Wearsby writes of how verse 10 describes Jerusalem's deliverance from the invading Greeks. Quote, After a two-month siege of Gaza, Alexander took the city and then went to Jerusalem. He was unhappy with the Jews because they had refused to pay him the annual tribute that they usually gave to the Persians. The high priest in Jerusalem called for the people to fast and pray, and he presented sacrifices to the Lord to seek his special protection. The night before Alexander and his army were to arrive at Jerusalem, the high priest had a dream in which God told him to adorn the city, tell the people to dress in white garments, and open the gates to their visitor. The high priest and the other priest would head the procession dressed in their holy robes. This they did, and Alexander was so impressed that he welcomed them in peace. The high priest told Alexander about Daniel's prophecies concerning him, and Alexander even offered sacrifices to Jehovah in the temple. Thus the city and the people were spared. End quote. Other commentators see how these verses also predict the Hanukkah victory that Judas Maccabeus will have had over Antiochus Epiphanes in 164 B.C. Verses 16 and 17 hint at the future deliverance that God will provide for Israel when under siege from the nations at Armageddon. And the Lord their God will save them in that day as the flock of His people, for they are as the stones of a crown, sparkling in His land. For what comeliness and beauty will be theirs! Grain will make the young men flourish, and new wine the virgins. Zechariah chapter 9, verses 16 and 17. Next we go to the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ by the Apostle John. Revelation chapter 17. The Great Prostitute and the Beast Then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls, came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will marvel to see the beast, because it was, and is not, and is to come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. They are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come, and when he does come, he must remain only a little while. As for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth, but it belongs to the seventh. 
and it goes to destruction. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour, together with the beast. These are of one mind, and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. And the angel said to me, The waters that you saw, where the prostitute is seated, are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked, and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out His purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament, chapter 17 from the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's take a moment to recap and reflect. Chapters 17 and 18 take us in close to look at the judgment upon the civic and commercial Babylon and the religious Babylon. Babylon means gate of the gods, and it has proved to be historically the gate to idolatry. It was founded as a city by Noah's great-grandson, Nimrod, and was the capital of the Babylonian Empire. The city was built on the river Euphrates. Jeremiah refers to Babylon as one that dwells by many waters. Jeremiah 51, verse 13, and Revelation chapter 17, verse 2. Babylon the Great has become a symbol of the godless world system. The city originally emerged when men organized to defeat God's purposes. Rather than adhering to God's plan to spread out and be fruitful in establishing families for the glory of God, men came together to make a name for themselves. This rebellious spirit has been at work in every age. Babylon is personified as the mother of harlots, sponsoring spiritual infidelity and lawlessness from generation to generation. She is riding on a scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. She is seductively dressed in purple and gold, precious stones and pearls, counterfeiting what these items usually stand for, majesty, deity, the adornment of the church. Hers is the system of lawlessness, the culture of ungodliness, and the spirit of Antichrist. She is drunk with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus and obsessed with her opposing agenda. The angel interprets this vision for us in verse 8. He describes the beast in Antichrist terms. The true Christ is he who was and is and is to come. The Antichrist, who is a substitute Christ, a pseudo-Christ, is described mockingly by the angel as he who was and is not, and is about to come up from the abyss and go to destruction. The Antichrist will have a pseudo-death and a pseudo-resurrection and a genuine destruction. The seven heads of the beast are seven mountains, or governments, and they are seven kings. Five of the seven have already fallen. One still is, and another is to come. The Antichrist, the seventh, will also become the eighth. The ten horns are the ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom. But they will reign with the beast for one hour. They are one in purpose, and ultimately they give their power and authority to the beast. 
they will foolishly and stubbornly attack the Messiah and his followers, the called, the chosen, and the faithful. These will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, because he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are the called and chosen and faithful. Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. God will allow the governments under the Antichrist to turn on the harlot and burn her with fire. His sovereign purpose is being worked out so that once again the wrath of man will praise him. Psalm 76, verse 10. In Revelation chapter 17, verse 17, we read, For God has put it in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. Let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour. We go to the Bible's song and prayer book, the book of Psalms, Psalm 145, verses 1 through 21. Great is the Lord, a song of praise, a psalm of David. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour out the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power, to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all His words and kind in all His works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all His works. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless His holy name for ever and ever. The psalmist has the daily habit of praising the Lord. May this be our holy resolve also. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Psalm 145, verses 1 and 2. The psalmist is determined to pass on the testimonies of God's greatness. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. In verse 4, he resolves to consistently meditate upon the Word and speak to others, telling them of God's greatness, goodness, righteousness, loving-kindness, grace, and mercy. He is one of a growing company 
who will praise the Lord and speak of His kingdom. God's characteristic mercy is seen in the psalmist's testimony. The Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all His deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear Him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. Psalm 145, verses 14-19 through 19. He is confident that he is not alone in his experience of God's mercy and that one day all people will recognize his goodness. In verse 21, every knee will bow. And now we go to our final stop in today's Bible reading tour, the book of Proverbs, chapter 30, verse 32. If you have been foolish, exalting yourself, or if you have been devising evil, put your hand on your mouth. This verse warns us not to add sin to sin. When you realize the foolishness of your pride or scheming, don't make the situation worse through verbal self-justification or passing blame. Don't stir up strife. Instead, humble yourself. Admit your wrong and choose your words and actions carefully. Demonstrate a changed attitude by speaking well of others, serving them with kindness, and as far as it is possible, make peace with them. Let's pray together. Lord, all your works will praise you, and we will bless your name and seek your kingdom. Your mercy endures forever, and so will your kingdom. May your kingdom rule be fully established in our hearts. We ask that we be delivered from all the initiatives of the evil one and the seductions of the corrupt world system that opposes your holy word. May we be faithful to your commands. We trust that you have given us our history ahead of time in your inerrant word, and that you will defeat every foe and reign victorious. Help us to stand in all that you have won for us. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes our readings from December's 26th installment of the One Year Bible, and I hope that you are enjoying Boxing Day wherever you are, sharing the good gifts that you have received with others. We are so grateful for the family of friends who are listening to this podcast and letting us know that it has been an encouragement to them and that it has spurred them on in a healthy spiritual habit of reading the scriptures, meditating upon it, and taking it all before the Lord in prayer. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can always write us at podcast at newlife.org. And again, if you would like to receive a written copy of our commentary on each day's reading, you can subscribe to a daily email at newlife.org. God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow as we're getting close to the end of our one-year Bible reading tour as we continue to read the book of Zechariah and the book of the Revelation. Until we meet again, may you be enjoying the peace that passes all understanding through faith in our perfect provision from above our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, and redemption. Christ Jesus, our shalom.